Hi, this is Jack Robin. You're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast on the internet daring to talk about the entire history of Australian Survivor from 2002 to today and everything else that happened in between. We are very excited to be able to bring you another interview today, having a bit of a break from our episode recaps to learn a little bit more from someone about the very first season of Australian Survivor and it's a behind the scenes one today. Very, very exciting. I'm going to introduce him in just one moment. But before we do, I need to introduce myself first. You might not know who I am. So, my name is Ben. And I try to write a song to sing on the show tonight, but no one wants to hear it. Hi, all. My name is Matt Dyson, as usual. And I echo what Ben said. I am very excited to be here because this isn't your usual interview. It's not with a former contestant or producer. We have a very special guest for you in Jack Robin, who is the composer of the 2002 Australian Survivor Series. And that theme you often hear and have come to love uh, is Jack Robin's work, and we're here to talk to him today. Jack, how are you? I'm very well, Matt, Ben. Pleased to be here. It's a huge pleasure because I I have to passing all the credit here to Matt because when we sort of were starting this project and thinking of people who we can interview, one of the questions I think Matt and I would always talk about is like, oh, that theme, it's unique. Like, it would be great to talk to somebody about it who did it. And dumb old me didn't think to read the credits where your name was. Of course, that's why you're there. Matt did. Matt goes, I'm going to look for this guy. He found you. Here you are. So uh, it's 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 crazy to think that it was that simple. So uh, all credit here to Matt for having you on the show tonight. Well, great, great detective work, Matt. Well done <laughs> tracking me down. <laughs> well, I was definitely keen to track you down, Jack, because it is such an iconic theme and a theme that uh, I really think 17 years later is it's still a fantastic uh, theme to the to the show and one that holds up really well and one that you know you, you listen to today and you still want to want to hum along to it and and enjoy it so you know I'm definitely keen to find out how you came to be involved um with the show yeah well when when you say iconic I automatically think of the Russ Landau theme because that is truly iconic and it's I don't know how many episodes of survivor have been broadcast now but he's that's it's so uh uh, when I first got the gig, uh, and I and I did it, I remember thinking to myself at one stage, you're saying to somebody, "This is like being asked to recompose the Simpsons theme. <laughs> How do you do it? How do you do it?" Um, it was, uh, uh, it was. So what what happened was I I I, I gather you've talked to. Um, Stephen Peters about how how the show came to be, but uh, my involvement was was through him. I'd worked with Stephen on 
I've known him for quite a while in TV, and I've I'd done some uh, soundtrack work for him on a couple of other Channel Nine series uh, in the years prior to Survivor coming up. Um, and my wife, my wife, who is an editor, we actually tried to get out of Sydney. We were living up uh, at Suffolk Park in two thousand and one. Uh, just south of Byron Bay, and we were actually getting away from 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 Sydney. We just thought we'd actually been really busy, and uh, we just wanted to get out of town and you know do a bit of a sea change. So we were living. We had a beach house in Suffolk Park, literally uh, just fifty metres down through the Pandanus Palms to the water, and that was where we are when we got the phone call from Sydney from Stephen to say. Um, do you both want to come back to Sydney and work on the Australian version of Survivor? And I thought, well, I'm here on the beach. It's all, it's all, it's all pretty nice. Um, but he twist, twist, twisted my arm. Um, and what happened was that I went into production pretty much then, up there and then. I had, I had all my studio gear with me and I started work uh, you know, putting some tracks together. He sent me some some Survivor, like the Survivor soundtrack from the first series. I think it was. I think I think the Australian Outback version of the the US show was either on air that year or yeah, it was it was or, airing um, was about, about when it was yeah in pre production and kind of was just about to be announced. It was announced at the end of the Australian Outback one, so I think it was all being planned while that was airing. Sure, sure. Anyway, it was uh, uh, two thousand and one. We're in this beach house up at Suffolk Park. Uh, having a great time, and then uh, September 11 happened, and I just stayed up all night watching the TV, just glued to the TV, thinking, "What is going on? What is going on?" Uh, and woke up the next uh, next morning after about an hour and a half sleep, and went and sat down on the beach and looked out to the water and just wondered what was going on in the world. It was really, I was pretty shattered. Um, and I think it was pretty soon after that that I got the call. My wife and I got the call. Uh, would we like to uh, work on uh, the Australian version of Survivor? Uh, to be honest, that was a great, a great uh, gift to get because it, you know, it took my mind off uh, what, what had been going on. And suddenly I was in work mode. I was in, you know, we've got to start, you know, working stuff out mode. So it was great to focus on that. Did Stephen tell you straight away that um, it had to be com- like completely different to the original US Survivor music? He said to me, now my memory is like a goldfish, but it had to have, uh, you know, a, a similar intensity and a, and a similar sort of vibe. It had to be identifiably of the same ilk, but, it, you know, we couldn't use that theme. Um and they just had the Australian Outback version uh, of the US show, and I think they used some Aboriginal uh, musical elements, like you know didgeridoo and things. So we couldn't uh, step step in that sort of a musical direction. When he told me what the location was, we had a bit of a chat about things, and uh, because there was, uh, you know, the ocean was involved, uh, we we came up with a sort of Let's make it a little bit nautical. So I suggested uh, let's get some, you know, some penny penny whistles, some penny flutes, and I went out uh, to the music shop in Byron Bay and bought uh, a, a big Irish boron, which is a you know a big sort of uh, Irish drum, 
and both of those elements in, ended up being on the the soundtrack, the uh, the theme. Um, so I think the penny whistle and the and the Byron both came came from the the music store of Byron Bay. But I don't think I actually started working on the theme proper till we got back to Sydney. But I did work on the background music uh, up up at up at Byron Suffolk Park. Yeah. In listening to that initial soundtrack from Russ Landau from the Australian Outback one, and I'm sure you listened to the one from the very first season in Borneo. Do you then reach out to to Russ or see if you can get in communication with him to kind of you know get some tips of of how he did it and then maybe how you could use that in influencing you doing a, a your take on a survivor theme? Yeah, I, I I once again my memory is pretty hazy. I think Russ and I had a bit of a back and forth uh, email wise, just talking about you know the approach he took to it. it was still quite early days even for him back then. This is. A long time ago, really, and we—I I think we talk about. Uh, look, there, there, there is something in in the theme that I ended up doing that is sort of borrowed from the original theme. You, it, it's it's hard to pick it, but there's a little sort of uh, bass string run that goes up, and if you listen to them both, that's where the the tie-in happens. I think that's the, that that sort of relates them in some way. And also, when, you know, Russ uh, used the that sort of flute sound, um, the sort of overblown sort of ethnic kind of flute sound. Uh, so I made sure that I got a flute sound that I was happy with. It, it ended up not being the penny whistle, which was in the melody. It was it was the final thing in the theme that that sort of overblown. I think it's a Native American flute. And that became a very important signature for the series that I did. And it reminded me of what, what Russ had done beforehand. Apart from that, you know, we didn't have the, the chanting, that, that sort of the, the, the iconic chanting and that sort of big opera, operatic, oh, you know, that sounds like Pavarotti or something. Like we didn't have that and it was best to avoid that sort of area. So I started banging things together and... Um, literally um in the house like literally slamming doors for percussion um i went up out into the living room set up a couple of mics and the the, the, the you know the the ha you know that 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 the ha hoo ha kind of thing i just recorded myself doing that 20 times so it's like a, a, in in different parts of the room so uh there's that there's the irish drum you can hear in the background doing most of the rhythm uh, there's the penny whistles sort of there in the background combined layered. There were so many layers. I wish I still still had the multi trap because it'd be kind of fun to go back and have a look at how many layers there were. And the main melody is actually my wife, who who was an editor on the series, is actually she's got a really good voice, and it's actually her singing that main melody, layered with uh, some synth and some string samples. Well, I'm glad you, you just told us that because I was actually going to ask if there was a choir involved or, yeah, where did you get that voice from? But, uh, yeah, we just learnt that uh, it was your wife. Yeah, and I remember it was it was funny because uh, when we recorded that, Lucy would have been, oh, halfway through being pregnant with our first child. And when, when I put the mic up and said, okay, you've got to sing the lead line in this theme for the new Survivor thing, she was like, oh, okay. Um, and she said, oh, I can't hit, I'm not hitting the notes properly. Uh, it's because I'm pregnant. And I, I said, well, look, if, the, if, if this doesn't work, 
we can bring somebody in or I'll, I'll, I'll come up with another idea, but she actually nailed it as far as I'm concerned. Well, and uh, it doesn't quite sound like a voice because it's laid with other things, but um, it is, it, it's her vocal line, yeah. Well, I'm sure you would have said to her, look, no pressure, you're just helping with the theme song of the most expensive Channel 9 show in history. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah no, no pressure. And look, <laughs> you're, you're having a baby. Other people have had babies and sang before, I'm sure. <laughs> now, obviously something like this doesn't just, you know, ha- happen in a, in a weekend uh how long would you say the whole thing took you to to the point where you finally had the the track finished and that well the theme finished and and you sh- you know obviously uh let steve and peters hear it and say yep that that's what we're going to go for like how how long a period i would say it went through a f- through a few different uh versions and pretty much what i got back was just make it bigger Make it bigger, make it bangier. Just so I just started slamming more doors and pounding on the walls and getting the percussion going and uh, layering the strings and the bass and just throwing stuff at it. Um, and it, it, I, I, I wish. Look, I've got hard drives all over the place, and I, if I really try, uh, that might might have been back in the days when I was backing things up on. CD-ROMs, and uh, they have a habit of not lasting as well. Uh, but I wish I, I had one of the early demos. If I find it, I'll send it to you guys because that would be kind of weird and interesting. That'd be um, awesome. But it just con- continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, it's. I was going to ask, actually, one of the questions we are going to ask um, just on that topic was, I mean, is that something outside of just the theme itself? Because obviously you write the score and everything that appears in the episodes. Do you keep all of those? Like, do you have, like, the official soundtrack to Season 1 of Australian Survivor? Do you keep hold of those things? I've got, um, yeah, I've got uh, a little folder somewhere on a hard drive, which has got uh, like some MP3 versions. I'm um, and maybe I've I've backed it up. It's it's weird because I was uh, I was backing up on CD-ROMs back then, and they they just didn't they weren't made to last. It's it's a bit of a shame. Uh, uh, if if I go back through everything that I have, I think I can find some stems like the stems of the the original theme mix that I. Uh, uh, copied off to give to Endorphin to do the this sort of dance remix that he did. That's probably the closest thing I've got to multi-tracks. And, yes, I do have a folder of about 20 pieces um, of original. And though Sony did – I did have talks with Sony. They were going to release uh, the, the, the album as a soundtrack. But, you know, had the, had the series actually gone off, that would have gone ahead. Well, because that's another question I was going to ask too because I think um – I've got the CD still of the the original uh, US one and plenty of copies because a lot of the Russ Landau ones are available on iTunes. So, yeah, because I was thinking, did they ever approach you to release it? I mean, look, we we would gladly uh, give you something for it, Jack, because we would love to have a copy of that for us as fans. But um, I think it would have been interesting had fans been able to get that because it is a very unique... Uh, listen, I think when you, I, I like to isolate my brain to listen to scores of TV shows and kind of hear it the way it works in with what you're seeing because I'm a huge movie soundtrack fan. I'll always get the scores and everything of my favorite movies, and I think that it, it, it's a unique listen when you are just trying to pinpoint that watching a show like Survivor. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, in fact, I've if if you like, I'll I'll send you the the folder, and you you guys can have at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I in preparation for this, I I went back and listened to a, a bit of the stuff, and um, yeah, there's some things on there that, in fact, the one piece of the whole, uh, uh, you know, soundtrack elements that I did that I still get shivers up the spine with is probably the most simple. And I'll send send a copy. I'll, I'll send this to you after we finish our recording. But um, just for fun, just mucking around, I took the main melody of um, my wife singing uh, and a few other elements, and I slowed it down and I played it backwards. And I just had a shiver up my spine. I went, "Oh my god, that sounds really cool." Uh, so I played around with things a little bit and. I listened to it the other day, and I, I, I got got the shiver, and I, I, I almost started crying because I thought it just took me back to that moment. Um, so I'll send it to you guys, Great. and you can you can have it. But um, it's so, that, that 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 I'm pleased that I, you know, at least I still get some some uh, you know some real joy out of something that I did, which is 17 years ago now. So was that was that recently you did that, or was that back like one when you actually back 17 years ago that you actually did the reverse? Yeah, I did it. I did it back then, and yeah, I think wow. they probably used it. Um, I called. I think in the fi- in the file naming, I called it Survivor Sunrise or something. Um, uh, um, uh, it's just a very. It's very simple. It's I I, I sort of uh, cut them together. So it's the reverse bit first, and the forwards bit second. So the melody plays backwards for the first half and forwards for the second half. And it comes to this resolution, and it, I was listening to it like a couple of days ago, just you know, prior to talking to you guys. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that the, the, the you know, that how how well the music was received. It was very earlier on social media. It was just kicking off, and the, from from what I gathered uh, online, there it, it was fairly positive but there was lots of people saying oh no that the original theme's better and and look it probably is but um i'll send you guys the files and you can play a bit of it and see see what happens because i'm i'm happy to have people listen to it yeah i think you're definitely spot on i mean the, the problem was at the time survivor was only what t- two years in there'd only been a couple of american seasons shown but it became such a big hit so quickly that Everyone just recognised Survivor with that and that theme music hitting, which was of course the ancient voices by Russ Landau. Mm. Now, I think now, like we look back, Ben and I look back, and and we really appreciate your music, especially the theme, because you know I'm glad that they did go with that theme now because it does separate the that 2002 season from the American stuff at the time. But of course, you know, I guess hardcore fans back then would have been disappointed when they, you know, episode one comes along and it's a different theme because they're like, oh, what's what's this theme? One thing I loved, like absolutely loved about your theme was the, ver- and I've mentioned this before on a, on this podcast, where just before your music actually hits, you hear the windmill. Wh- whose yeah. idea was that? I think I said to uh, Lucy and I think uh, I said to Stephen, um, if anything gets recorded out in the field, like wind noises or just any interesting field recordings, bring them back because it'd be great to have something, you know, waves crashing, whatever. It might be nice to have uh, some elements from from the location that we can sort of weave into the the music somehow. And um, 
that's the one thing I got back was the windmill going, and that's the one thing that was vaguely musical. It had a bit of a rhythm to it, and I thought, let's open with that. Let's open with the windmill because I, I just loved it. I loved putting on my headphones and listening to it going, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so it was kind of fun to incorporate, a, you know, a little bit of uh, some location sound into the theme. You mentioned about the being told of the location and kind of that nautical theme and then you mentioned about sort of the Irish kind of drum and then there's kind of that jig, the the hole when it kicks in from the windmill and you kind of get the dun 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 Was that? something that came to you straight away was that worked on a little bit because that kind of i guess was the plan to fit in with that almost nautical theme because it does sound very nautical when you hear that distinct opening of the theme yeah it's got a bit of a, a sort of an irish well that yeah Stephen and i talked about it how do we differentiate uh this music from the american survivor how do we give it a an identity that you know you know is the signature for that for this series because it was near water and there were going to be waves crashing. And I think the tribal council, if I remember, was it held on a sort of the wreck of a boat? Was, or yeah. The set was like the wreck of a boat or something. I, I can't the quite remember. The Great Beyond. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we definitely talked about that and tried to make that work. If it comes across, I'm happy. I'm not quite sure how successful that was. But if it, if it, if that does come across in the music, then that's great. Do you play that? What, what instrument is that? Again, we're not very technical here, Jack. So, I mean, it could yeah. be a really obvious instrument that we're just dumb and not, don't know what it is. But what instrument is it? Did you play that or did you have to get sort of an Irish jigger to come in and play that instrument? The uh, the, the Boren, it's, it's it's a big I've, – I've still got it, actually. It's, a, it's, on, um, it's on the wall out in the uh, living room, but it's, it's seen better days. It's fallen off the wall a couple of times and it's held together with gaffer tape and uh, – but I've still got it. It's a big drum about the size of a garbage tin lid, I suppose. Big sort of canvas, uh, not canvas, a big wooden rim with a sort of calf skin uh, with a big Celtic logo on the top. And it comes with a little uh, a little stick with the beaters on both ends, but I use my hand for it. Uh, and I sampled myself, you know, playing various rhythms um, and when I got something I was happy with, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, the world's best barn player. I I think I'd had it for maybe a month when I came to it, but I just wanted to get something that drove the the piece. I think the this thing goes for about forty five seconds or something. I wanted something to hang everything else off, and that was probably the first thing. Uh, that came was the rhythm, was the sort of 6-8 kind of uh, Byron rhythm. And then everything else came after that. So leading into your wife's vocals and kind of, is it a, a flute that then plays over the top of the of the beat that you're mentioning there? Yeah, there's there's a penny, penny whistle. Penny whistle, right. Um, pen, pen, yeah, there's, uh, it was a little sort of brass thing with a little green top. And I might still have that somewhere. Uh, layered, like I, I played that uh, several times. Once again, it was all layering, layering that, and uh, then laying some other hat sounds behind that because it had to be bigger. You know, if you stripped it all back down, it would sound like me, you know, in, in, in my little studio playing a little penny whistle. <laughs> um, but I did that several times and then um, uh, layered that with 
um, some string samples and some synth just to give a, a bigger and wider cinematic kind of feel. Hopefully it worked. With the music uh, throughout the show, with like throughout the other episodes, obviously, depending on what the scene is, it requires a different style of music. Did you do that after like the show during editing and they said, well, we need this type of music if it's a sad scene or, a, or a, you know, or a happy scene? Or do you just have a bunch of music and then they just use whatever they need? I started writing for the editors uh, up, you know, in 2001, late 2001, uh, I started putting rhythm, rhythmic ideas together and little, little, uh, you know, based on discussions with Stephen, what was required, listening to the American soundtrack, just rhythms and things that had edit points to supply to the editors so that they could cut the stuff. Um, so I was, I sent them uh, a whole bunch of CDs, maybe 40 or 50 tracks to get going with so that they had, uh, they didn't have to cut to temp music. They could, they knew that their edits were going to stick. Um, and then when I, when we got back to Sydney, I started working on the theme and started to develop those ideas a bit more. And then I started to work. There were a few things here and there that I worked to the picture on, you know, to, they gave me uh, like a, a VHS or it might've been a, an AVI file at that stage. And I, you know, worked to that and, you know, tried to uh, build some stuff to the, to the pictures. And yeah, occasionally the editors would say, we need something sad or we, we need something a bit, evil or we need something a bit mysterious and so there was the, there was a little bit of back and forth just while we're on the topic of kind of music being used later in the episodes one of the very distinct themes from i think like the first 20 or 21 seasons of survivor was tally the vote which of course was played during when the votes are being counted and jeff is reading the votes out to read were you asked to write a distinctive theme to be used in the tribal council section of the episode yeah, yeah, I was, um, and I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember how it goes. I don't know if I've still got a copy. Actually, um, it was fairly sparse from memory, um, but yeah, there was definitely a, a longer piece that sort of went during the trial. I, but I, for the life of me, I actually can't remember. I've got it, it in my head. I would sing it for you, Jack. But okay. I, I'm, I'm. Listeners don't need to hear that. <laughs> don't sing, Ben. Don't sing, Ben. <laughs> there are things that I, I could do, it. but I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, I, I might have it, but yeah, definitely that it was there. It was it was very sparse. It was to go with the tension, and then I also did you know lots of. I think I had to uh, write it specifically so that they could sort of uh, interject, like have a dramatic moment, a cutting point at any. So it couldn't be too structured. Um, I think I I did a modular sort of thing where the tribal councils there was a sort of bed going underneath and then i think i had some stings that they could sort of fly in when they needed to like when somebody's name got pulled out or, or you know they could they could cut to a hit uh, or build up to a hit i think from memory that's what happened i did a modular sort of thing that they could almost build themselves in the edit when it comes to the theme and sort of the layers that you're talking about you know you start piecing it together when it comes to writing something like that, where it's obviously going to tie in very well with the visual element, with the distinct survivor introduction, when you're seeing the names and you're kind of getting these sweeping shots of the landscape, you close it out with this epic shot of a shark biting the camera when it kind of builds into the logo. Is it 
something that you are visualizing in your head while you're writing something that this is what visuals will look like? Because I can imagine writing themes for television, you probably need to think a little bit of that visual element to kind of fit with the music that you're writing. Yeah, well, I'd seen the US um, version and uh, the, the music's iconic. The, the the actual images are quite iconic as well. And it's very signature of the Survivor brand. Um, yeah, I, I think I did imagine what might be happening. I didn't see any. I, I didn't see it till it was cut. So, you know, I, I was pretty much doing, you know, the music just in a studio looking at my, you know, my walls. But um, I was imagining that things would be layered on top. And I was, you know, there was, you know, I wanted to have a bang at the start and a bang at the end. Um, and have a have a have a pulsing rhythm throughout, and have a slightly haunting melody. And you know, I hope that that kind of, you know, I hope that came across. And it's and also ending like so. We start with the with the windmill, and then ending with that flute at the end. I, I think is um, because the, the what I wanted was a contrast of the like the sort of big you know the bravado stuff, the big drums and the big. And the, the big strings and everything. And then I wanted the slight, slightly feminine kind of melody going over the top. And then that flute at the end, I think, is like a little kind of what that does for me is it's like that's the the frailty, you know, that you know how you can get really worn down as a contestant. Um, you have to do all the hard stuff, and then there's that part of the at the end of a challenge or whatever where it's like you, you're exhausted you're emotionally drained and you, it's just like a sigh and that's what i the, the flute at the end i thought was the sigh right that's what it that's what it made sense to me so obviously obviously by the time the show aired the first episode i mean you would have heard this song a thousands of times obviously you composed it but did you do you remember like did you watch the first episode and sit there and when it was played at the start of the episode to sit there and think like how cool is this? Yeah, we were at the we we had a um, a launch uh, party at a pub in uh, Willoughby, I think, uh, in Sydney, and uh, it was they had a TV set up in the corner of the room up high, and I I think everybody had had a few brewskis, uh, <laughs> you know, before the 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 show came on and. Um, we saw it go out, and it was a great, great feeling. Yeah, awesome, really good. It was really awesome to hear the ringtone too. <laughs> I actually, I actually remember that because was, I got TV yeah. Week magazine back in the day, and that's when you always have on the back page. It was the whole text in one nine zero two and get the latest Britney Spears song. But I remember they had the Australian Survivor theme as one of the ones you could text in. <laughs> I, I don't think I knew that was actually happening. So uh, when it when it uh, when it was brought to my attention, it was it was a bit quirky. Yeah. Do you not get royalties for that? Does like the crazy frog not send you a royalty check every month or something like that? Oh, the crazy frog! Who can forget the crazy frog? Um, um, possibly, I think I probably did get some royalties from that, but um, I haven't retired. Put it that way. <laughs> so, Jack, look, there's no doubt we we love the theme music from from that season uh another one we we absolutely love is the remix edition the techno version which is played at the end at the end of the final episode um when they do the the shots of the whole scenery of whaler's way uh, i'd love to know how that came about and your thoughts on the techno is i mean is it a techno version 
Um, it was uh, put together by um, Eric, uh, uh, whose stage name is uh, Endorphin, and he he um, he'd been doing lots of remixes at the time for Sony. Like he had um, he had a couple of successful albums out, uh, and uh, that Sony asked me. Uh, to collaborate with him to do a like a, a remix, um, so I put together some elements from the theme, and we didn't live too far from away from each other actually. And I dropped over to his place, and I said, "Look, do your best with this, but um, I don't know if they've told you or if you, you know, but it's not in four four. It's it's going to be a challenge to make this work, you know, on the dance floor." Um, so have at it. I don't know what you're going to do, but you know, go for it. And um, when when it came back, I was it was kind of cool how he uh, took the samples and manipulated them and and, and turned it into a uh, like a dance beat. And uh, all you know, credit to him, he he made made it, he made it work somehow or other. I I'm a big dance music fan. I absolutely loved it because I mean, you know, we were watching this as we go along, and kind of in the lead up to this show when I rewatched it, I, I'd completely forgotten about it and. Just that, I think it goes for about two minutes after the reunion when you just see these, you know, sweeping shots of Whaler's Way. It's fantastic because I know in the US version, in the Australian Outback, they had done a very similar thing in some of the challenges. They had remixed Ancient Voices um, and then they released that, I think, as a, a single or an EP at the time as well. So it kind of seemed to be a bit of a trend in the early 2000s that let, let's take a TV theme and add a bit of a, a beat to it because they don't really seem to do it as much anymore today, which is disappointing. Mm, mm. Um, and another thing that I, I think uh, is great about the US version and that I would have loved to have had a, a stab at had it gone to a second, um, you know, series is taking what we did for, with the first version and trying to reinvent it a little bit for the second version, which it, I don't know whether I would have shot a second series, but it would have been kind of cool to... Uh, flip it on its head and try and re- reinvent it because at least then it would have had some currency and it would have been like, you know, this is, a, you know, it's, it's le- legitimate like we've heard it once before, um, you know, and it would have been fun to play with it. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was actually going to ask you that about if there was a second season, you know, would would you have been looking forward to being a part of it and and had did you already have some other ideas that you thought maybe different instruments or, I, I mean, I guess it would have all depended on to the location if there was a second season. Yeah, the location would have been pretty important, and we, you know, where there would have been meetings about it and how do we do it. But uh, that would have been uh, a fun exercise. Uh, to to um, it's always fun to have, you know, uh, something thematic and try and make it work in other contexts. Uh, and that would have been, you know, uh, you know, it, it was seventeen years ago, and uh, a, a second series, a third series, a fourth, and a fifth would have been magic. <laughs> at that point in your, I would have loved it. At that point in your career, I mean, where did that stand? Sort of in the things that you had been involved before, was that one of the biggest projects you had been involved in at that time in your career? Yeah, probably. I, I, I'd, I'd recently, just a few years before, I'd done. I'd rescored uh, the opening theme to um, RPA for nine, uh, uh, you know, re- rescored that and given them uh, some playoffs, some play-ons and uh, sort of background music for that. And that had a pretty big audience. Um, I also had, I was actually really busy around that time. I was doing stuff for the ABC, SBS, um, 
you know, Discovery Channel, uh, History Channel, Channel Travel Channel, uh, lots of cable uh, stuff. Um, but Survivor at that time was probably the highest profile. How how competitive is the score industry in Australia when it comes to to television and film? Well, that's an interesting question because um, what happened? I we left. We, we were up at Suffolk Park and we came back to Sydney um, to have our first child. Work on Survivor, and then you know we got crazy busy with other projects, right? Um, but then we went. Back, then we thought, okay. Then we left and went. We went back up and lived in Lennox Head. Um, so we got out out of the sort of Sydney arena and I took some work with me, uh, some stuff that I was doing for uh, uh, Discovery Science. Um, and what what started to pop up then uh, was um, yeah, m- m- music uh, libraries started to happen where um, uh so they seem to all come out of uh, the UK from from memory, but the, all these hard drives done in really creative packaging ended up on the the desks of EPs and production managers, each more outlandish than the last. There were there were like hard drive shaped like uh, an aspirin packet, a hard drive shaped like a, the wheel of a form, Formula One car, just things to get your attention. And this was like library music reams of it done in all sorts of ways and they didn't want any sort of upfront music it's like you just take this and you go ahead and you use it and we'll just get uh, the residuals from the licensing and you just trip over them in production managers offices and ep's offices and that um sort of nipped what i was doing in the bud a little bit uh, because I was doing sort of bespoke stuff but suddenly there was all this music that people could use for free and I wasn't really established enough to sort of have a name that was going to be like, oh, we'll, we'll get Jack onto it because that'll, that'll you know, bring everybody along. Uh, so that, you know, my, my work from that point of view started to, to, to quieten down a little bit. Uh, the ironic thing is that, you know, I had quite a library of music of my own and that started getting used in a similar way. People would say, oh, can you send us a whole bunch of tracks? We've got this edit coming up. We don't want to think new, but you've got this great li- library of music. Can we can we use that? And so it was like, yeah, okay. So I didn't have to write anything specifically, but they went ahead and u- used the music, and I got the residuals from 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 licensing. Which you know, I love I love the process, and you know, handing off a hard drive, uh, yeah, didn't quite do it for me. Which I can imagine, though, your core as a musician that's where you want to be doing what you did for Survivor. You want to sit there with a multi-track. You want to get your wife to record. You want to play a bit of drum. You want to do a bit of a penny whistle because that's the, the fun, creative side of, of being a musician. Yeah. Solving solving problems, really, is, you know, uh, trying to have an emotional connection with the music and solve problems and help help uh, the show, you know, serve, serve the show, serve the music and make sure that that all happens and... Um, you know that I was really busy with that sort of stuff at the time, and it was a great. It was a great moment in our lives. We didn't have kids, so I was I was free to sort of do a lot of one on one with with people and work with editors and work with visuals and just sort of make it all happen. Um, but that's okay. Th- things change. How many instruments can you play? 
okay, how many can I play well? Or <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty much a bass player. I'm, I, if I'm in a band, I'm a bass player. I, I, um, that's what I, I do. Um, I play guitar and I play keyboards. You've got to play. You've, you've got to be fairly competent on keyboards to do this sort of stuff. And you've got to be fairly technical in, in terms of, uh, you know, producing your own stuff and having a little bit of uh, knowledge of, of music. But I'm not, I'm not a gun at any one thing. It's, it's kind of like that sums up my life. Like I, I, can, I can do a whole bunch of stuff, but like I'm not, I'm not electric at absolutely everything. No way. Did you end up sending the finished product to Russ Landau to sort of get a viewpoint on it? No, but it did have to get past um, uh, through the years of Mark Burnett uh, for approval, and it came came back with two thumbs up. Wow, that's all I heard. I thought I, I just heard that uh, Mark Burnett listened to the theme over the weekend, and he gave it two thumbs up. That's the only feedback I got. So all these years later, obviously we we track you down, and it's got you talking about it again. And I'm sure you've listened to it a couple of times, you know, recently prior to coming on here. You know, seventeen years on, do you think was there would, would there be anything you would change to it? If I if I could travel back in time and um, and change things, yeah, like if, if now just looking back and you know, would there be anything you might add to it or, or a different instrument? No, you know what? That's an interesting question, and I did listen to it for the first time in a long time uh, the other day, and I thought, no, nah, I'm pretty happy with that. I would like to reinvent it a little bit for the second series. That would have been really awesome. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm pretty happy with the way it came out, actually. Well, of course, Channel 9 didn't have a second season, but in 2006, this, uh, Channel 7 had a celebrity season, which was a totally new intro, which I have to admit I I, I love that intro just as much as yours. When that came out, do you recall? Like, uh, Did you have interest in it? Did you listen to it? Do you recall that theme at all? Not at all. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't hear it. It's it's very much going on like you're talking about, sort of using some almost like tribal voices. It was because it was filmed in Vanuatu, so it kind of had a real element of that that location feel. That as you were saying, you'd probably incorporate if say that second season of this of the Channel Nine one was in Vanuatu. So it's it's distinct on its own level. I think a lot of people, you know, said it it maybe resembled the American one a little bit closer, but I. I think that both your version and that version are very distinct in the fact that it takes you to that season, whereas now, obviously, the Channel 10 version just uses ancient voices, so I guess there's nothing uniquely Australian about the newer version. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I heard that the, the ancient voices thing. I mean, I, I guess people, you know, even after one or two series of the American series, they associated that music so strongly with the brand that, uh, like I said, I, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, rewriting the Simpsons theme. Who wants that gig? <laughs> um, it would make me angry if I, if there was an Australian version of the Simpsons and the theme was wrong. Which is, you know, that, and that's coming from me. But it's it's not something that uh, uh, I insist on i i i think that you know this if the simpsons had a local version made you would have to use the simpsons theme wouldn't you it's 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 a a different uh, it's a difficult uh, thing to 
rationalize. I like what I did. It got the th thumbs up and people uh, by and large enjoy it, but I still appreciate why they d don't think that it's, uh, you know, Survivor. Which Matt brought up the point before about when it first aired and kind of you're expecting something, you hear that. And look, I, I was I was 15 when it first aired and I've admitted plenty of times that when I first saw it, I'm like, well, what's this? This isn't what I'm expecting. This is an Ancient Voices. But I'm exactly with Matt now that absolutely love the theme. And in re-watching it this year, you talked about how when you sort of listen back to that track, you know, you got a bit emotional, it took you back. Like, that's one thing that that's does all the time listening to your theme and matt and i have, have constantly said we don't skip the intro ever when we're re-watching an episode because there's just something about the music that just captures us in that moment of our lives which on the ancient voices like one of my favorite tv themes of all time because there is just something emotional about that theme that connects you and i think kind of i feel that when i listen to your theme which i think makes your theme fantastic and incredibly overlooked, I feel, amongst Australian Survivor fans today who are all like, oh, yeah, we've got Ancient Voices on Channel 10 now, but that they don't appreciate, back to my point about how kind of yours and the Channel 7 ones did something differently that made it a little bit unique. Yeah, well, you're very kind to say that. Um, but I, I agree that, you know... Um, you, going to see Star Wars, you know, you sit there in the in the theatre and hearing the Star Wars theme come up gets your all your emotions going. You sit up in your chair and it's like, yeah, what's going to go on here? But that, you know, John Williams theme is just so perfect, so absolutely perfect. And it gets you primed for what's to come. Uh, and that's exactly what, uh, you know, Russ's Ancient Voices does for Survivor and... Uh, um, it, what I'm interested in, actually, is when Disney Plus um, starts next week, is watching uh, The Mandalorian and, and hearing uh, how the music com comes up in that, because uh, I'm, I'm keen to see. Obviously, it's not John Williams, um, but from what I hear, they've gone in a, an interesting direction with that. There's a bit of a, a spaghetti western kind of vibe, which I think is really interesting. Which, I mean, it's it's... One of the ones kind of on that topic, um, you know, when you associate, say, a film with a certain type of, of music, uh, obviously James Bond, you, you associate kind of with a, a certain type of music. And I remember the um, the GoldenEye soundtrack um, was very different. I don't know if you're too familiar with the James Bond scores, but Eric Serra did that, and it kind of had a very distinctive, different sound to it. Like, you expect very brassy instruments with Bond. It's kind of got that real sound to it, whereas Eric Serra did something a little bit different. And... I, for one, like the unique take they did on the Bond theme, but a lot of people don't like that. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely get what you're saying, because if all of a sudden you're listening to a Star Wars movie and it's not in the vein of John Williams, it's kind of like, well, okay, well, what's going on here? Yeah, well, that's that's why I'm keen for next week. Uh, well, uh, hang on, we can't... I don't know when this is going to air, but, you know, the Mandalorian music uh, clearly is going to be quite different uh, from John Williams. And I'm really keen to see what direction it goes in because um, that would be a fun gig, writing music for a Star Wars, uh, you know, TV show or, or, or movie. That would be awesome, epic. 
another thing too, which we've found interesting is um, sort of in the introductions, and please don't sue us. You can we'll just talk afterwards. We've used your intro in sort of in our intros for these these episodes, and we've had some feedback from people who maybe have never heard it before. And they've actually said, like, what is, what are you using? What is that song? That's actually really incredible because a lot of people. That, that's not survival. What is that? Well, it's, it's <laughs> because, like, this is a thing. Like, a lot of the modern fans, because Survivor, the US one's now 20 years old. And then there is also a, a generation of people now who have only seen the Australian version. So, you know, to them, it's, it exactly is just that, that Russ Landau theme. So it's it's fascinating for certainly younger people who weren't around when your season didn't know it, and they're hearing this for the first time because Matt famously said on our show at the very beginning that season one has aged quite well, whereas like now you can watch it and it kind of stands on its own two feet, whereas five, ten years ago there were still issues around it where maybe you'd think, oh, this doesn't hold up very well. And I think your theme is one of those elements to that where people are now hearing that and go, well, hang on a minute, what is this? This is kind of cool. Yeah, it was a quirky little blip in the history of Survivor. A quirky little blip, I think. My ears did prick uh, before when you said that after listening to it recently, you you thought maybe making a few tweaks to it and, and bring it up to sort of a current day. If you had free time down the track, is that something you might actually consider, just remixing it a little bit and and doing a sort of similar version but different? I'd have to start slamming the doors and banging the walls in, in a <laughs> completely new house so that it would have a completely new sort of tone, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. and it, It'd be weird to do a cover. It'd be, it'd be weird to do a cover version of your own, own thing. <laughs> well, if you if you ever do, let us know and send us a copy because we'd love to hear it. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll do one just for you guys, and I'll try oh. and stand it on its ear and and uh, do something weird with it. We would appreciate. That would be awesome. We would appreciate yeah. that. One thing actually too, which I think was the little fun thing we were talking a little bit off air about it, and you, you mentioning your your wife's kind of involvement in that season as well. Um, but I mean, you your daughter is kind of a survivor baby because, as you said, she was pregnant. So, uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about that because I think that's kind of a cool story that you've always got this connection to this show because your daughter was kind of out there when it was being filmed. Yeah, yeah, she was a little bump under the editing desk when it was all going on. <laughs> she probably, you know, could hear it, you know, in, in, into the womb. It it makes you aware of the passing of time because um, she uh, got her license a few weeks ago. She's just finished her HSC and uh, she's just driven off this morning um, to go on a holiday with her friends up the coast. Oh, wow. So it's kind of, it's you know, we're at that stage in our lives where we've got um, kids growing up to a point where they're no longer students and they're out doing their own thing. And it's like she was this little, she was born while the series was on, um, uh and to and she's a a big, tall, beautiful, smart girl, and uh, it's funny thinking back. And we found out that we were pregnant with her a week after September 11. It was really weird. It was like, oh, uh, you know, what a weird world to be, you know, bringing a child into. Um, and then we found out a week later that <laughs> that's exactly what we were doing. But yeah, she's uh, 
she's sort of heading out in the world. And she's got a great voice, actually. Maybe, oh, well, I'll, maybe, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do the read, redo the score with her instead of that. Would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you: Did you pass on any of your musician skills to your children? Uh, well, all the kids sing really well because Lucy, my wife, has got a beautiful voice and she sings around the house. Um, so they get together and um, they harmonise really well. Like we'll just be in the kitchen making dinner and a song will come on the radio or they'll just do it uh, spontaneously and hit a note and then they all start to harmonise with each other. And harmonies is something I've really got to work out and really got to think about, but they all do it so naturally. So they've in, they've inherited that from their mother, which is really cool. Well, Ben, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to think we're going to hear a Robin family remix here. Uh, look, I, I think this could, like, I mean, God, you, we need to have this new version and then we have our own unique intro. Uh, that I think we can use for the show. And then all of a sudden, uh, 2019, this will become a huge hit. And then all of a sudden, Channel 10 can look at this and go, ah, oh, who gives a crap about Russ Landau? Listen, <laughs> listen to Jack Robin. He, he's back with a vengeance. This, this is our, we're going to use this. We'll do a sort of Partridge family version of the theme. We'll we'll do an acapella version or something. That sounds perfect. Obviously, 17 years we've talked a lot about it. It's it's been quite some time. So you've obviously done a lot of things kind of over those 17 years. What what are some of the highlights, kind of some of your favourite projects that you've worked on on since? And and, and what are you up to now? What's kind of what's going on right now with with your career? Yeah. um, Well, at the moment, it's, you know, tying in actually with, um, all those years ago, uh, I'm in a band, uh, and we are, we've just spent some time in a studio recording our, our sixth album. Uh, and these are all songs that we had, but that we were playing back at the time that I was working on Survivor. Uh, but the the band had a bit of a name change and a slightly different direct, direction change. The singer songwriter sort of tweaked a few things, so we changed the name of the band. Um, and left all these songs on the vine. And we've recently gone back to those songs from like 17, 18 years ago uh, and recorded them all. And so, and we cut that's what I'm doing now is, uh, you know, uh, musically is, is where we're pretty much getting through to the stage where, yeah, we are going to start putting harmonies down and I'll get, I'll get Lucy in here to, to sing on those because she's sung on pretty much all the other records. Yeah. Well, I have to ask, what's the name of the band? Uh, the name of the band is Night Radio, uh, and we've got the, the album that we recorded uh, was released in 2003. It's up on Spotify and uh, uh, iTunes, I think, uh, and the rest of the albums are on the band, Night Radio band campsite. But Ghost Stories is the name of the album. It's as far away from there might be some I might have snuck a few sort of survivor-esque elements in but it's it's, it's singer-songwriter it's kind of uh, dark Australian folk kind of uh, the go-betweens Triffids meets Nick Drake and Neil Young kind of territory it's quite different uh, quite different to to, to uh, the soundtrack music but that yeah we've got a bunch of songs from back then that we're uh, recording and uh, it was fun the other day. We uh, I found on one of these hard drives. Um, we've we've got a drummer who's played on pretty much all all five five of the albums after the first one. But I found uh, a multi track uh, where we had our original drummer playing. So we've got drums from literally nineteen years ago, uh, and we're playing all the instruments 
fresh to it. So it's kind of the oldest drum track ever. <laughs> it's, it's it's a bit weird, but that, that that'll come out. That the album we're working on now will come out sort of next year. It'll be on Spotify and that kind of thing. We'll plug it. We'll plug it. You you send us a link. We'll get people to download it. Please please tell me you've done well, a song or want to do a song called Whaler's Way. Whaler's Way. Uh, <laughs> Oh God! Well, I will just for you. I'll do Whalers Way just for you guys. I've, well, that if, can if, be if, the name. That can be the name of the remix. The Whaler, the Whalers Way version. Yeah. Um, I've got. Uh, if 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 anybody likes the, the the music from Survivor and wants to hear something similar, I've got. Um, this is no plug. I don't make any money out of this, but uh, I've got on Bandcamp. I've got a, a few records up there that I've. A sort of in the vein of Survivor uh, music, and in fact, I think I've used a couple of tracks that I've sort of remixed for there. And the the the, the Bandcamp, no, my sort of alias on Bandcamp is uh, Junkathon, <laughs> and there are there are what, what a big inspiration for me uh, when doing the Survivor soundtrack was Peter Gabriel. Um, he did a soundtrack for a movie called Birdie. Uh, and if if you haven't heard it, I recommend you seek it out. Um, it was a, a Matthew Modine, Nicolas Cage uh, movie about a returned uh, Vietnam uh, soldiers who who um, go. Matthew Modine loses his mind and thinks he's a pigeon. It's a it's a really weird concept. But Peter Gabriel did the soundtrack, and that has had a huge impact on on on. Me, I, I just got blown away by it because it's Peter Gabriel and Daniel Lanois reworking um, some of Peter Gabriel's earlier material from albums just prior to the movie, which was released in 1982 or 1983. Uh, but it's just beautiful, organic, textural, uh, moody music. Um, and there's if there was a, a, a touchstone for me, it was probably that record, um, you know, trying to evoke feelings like, like that. It's a, it's a completely instrumental uh, record. There's no vocals on it, uh, but it's a beautiful, dark uh, record that's really awesome to listen to. I have to ask, as someone who edits audio, I obviously do it differently for, for podcasts and radio. You do it more musically. I just want to find out if I'm weird or not here Jack, do you get a weird, pleasant satisfaction from a nice long editing session where you can, at the end of your session, go, wow, that sounds fantastic. I've worked on this for like five hours. But bloody earth, this sounds good. Please tell me I'm not weird that I, I have that feeling. No, that I think that's really common. And, you know, you're, you're editing audio, editing music, and my wife is a, a, a video editor, and she comes home, and when she's in a good mood, it's because she has worked with vision and music and sound and bring in, brought them all, brought everything together in synergy uh, and it just gives you a little adrenaline rush. And Great, good. On a high. Good, there you go. I'm yeah, not, I'm not absolutely. Weird. That's, that's a phenomenon. That's definitely a thing. <laughs> definitely a thing. Always wanted to ask that to uh, somebody else just to, to, to make sure. You, you probably are quite weird, Ben, but you, you, the, 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 the thing is... <laughs> He's a little you, weird. You, you, you bang on. Yeah, I'm a little weird. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> Now, now we know that your wife and yourself obviously had involvement in the show. Did did anyone keep any memorabilia from the show at all? Um, my that uh, the the buff that you've got on, uh, we had a blue one of those, 
Get the Tabara buff, yep. Yep. <laughs> Very well done. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got photographs of uh, our daughter when she was maybe 18 months old, two years old, wearing a buff as a sort of body stocking. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, she was a little skinny little thing and she just pulled the buff down. And I've got, I've got a photograph somewhere of her um, you know, wearing that. So, yeah, we got a little bit of... A little bit of kit. What else do we get? We got, um, oh, I think we got some hats and oh, a few bits and pieces. I, I can't quite remember now, but I definitely remember the blue, yeah, the blue belt. Did were, were there any photos taken of you, like whilst you were editing, um, or behind the scenes shots of you when you were coming up with these themes at all? We just had a baby. And she was the most photographed baby of all time. <laughs> so if we if we, if we had a camera, it was pointing at her, <laughs> and she she walked around the was walking around the studio. And uh, I mean, this is probably after I'd finished work on Survivor, to be honest. But um, uh, we were house sitting. We moved back from Suffolk Park, and we were fortunate enough to have friends who uh, moving back to Sydney. We we, we house sat for them. Uh, and I had a really nice studio space, a, a, a nice big room uh, overlooked, you know, it's trees in the yard and that sort of thing. And that's that's where I did all, all the main work for Survivor. Uh, but it also became a little sort of crash uh, for our daughter. Like she, you know, I'd be working at home uh, and my wife would be off at uh, work um, out in an edit suite somewhere and... Um, I'd be rocking her, you know, in a bassinet, hoping she'd go to sleep while I was getting on with, you know, something that I was writing. You said you still have some of the instruments that were used in it. Uh, if possible, at some time down the track, if you get a chance, um, if you're able to take a photo of those instruments and send us to us, we'd love to, you know, show show our listeners on our social media pages of exactly what, because I have to admit, I don't know uh, what these instruments are or what they look like. So, yeah, it'd be fantastic if you could. Um, our listeners, I no doubt, would love it. Yeah, I've still got. I've still got. Well, the boron is the is the main thing that drives the the whole rhythmic aspect. I've still got the the bass that I used on on the on the series and on the theme is literally right behind me, um, and the the keyboard I bought specifically for. Uh, I, I did a lot of work with that keyboard on on Survivor. I've still got that as well. A couple of the keys are broken, but I've still got that. Yeah. I asked you before at the time when you were working on it, you know, where it stood kind of at that point in your career, looking back now and reflecting 17 years and sort of after talking to us about everything uh, tonight, I mean, how how do you hold that experience of, of working on Survivor compared to sort of all the other projects, shows and everything else that you've worked on in your career? Every, everything comes, uh, every, every project is you get that rush of anticipation it's like uh, it's like falling in love again you know you get that sense of oh you know i've got this blank canvas and what am i going to do uh and when i was doing survivor i was working on about five different things vaguely at the same time i was sort of juggling uh, a, a little bit but you know survivor got you know most of the attention but um there's nothing like starting a project from scratch, you know, having that sort of sense of anticipation and let's, uh, 
let's see what we can do. And uh, I, I think every project is, is, is unique in that way. But I, I do, listening back to some of the files and listening to the theme, I think, and, you know, tying it in with a special time in my life anyway, um, it, yeah, it brings back huge memories. Like I say, when I, when I listened to that file um, a couple of days ago of, yeah, that re- the re- the remixy thing that I did, I'll I'll send that to you. But yeah, I got shiver up the spine, and um, I, yeah, I got I welled up a little bit. Just an idea for your daughter's wedding one day. Sure, as a dad, you probably don't want to think about that, but like play play her down the aisle to the theme because you can be like, hey, <laughs> you know, this is such a part of your life. This needs to be now transitioning you over as you get married and move on to the new stage of your life. No, I'll play the Partridge Family version that we're going yes. to record the next yeah. few weeks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that works perfectly, Jack. It, it's awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Uh, again, we've we've really enjoyed hearing this and and learning so much because, again, as we keep saying throughout all these episodes, you know, this, this does hold a unique part in history of the Australian version of Survivor season one, and you're obviously a, a key part in that and the feel and the and everything about that with your music. So. Yeah, we, we really do appreciate you joining us here today to be able to uh, to, to share these memories and kind of uh, open up the vault and the brain and kind of uh, talk about it with us on the on the show today. Thank you. It was a quirky blip, uh, but I, if anybody enjoyed the quirky blip, that's awesome. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. So much fun talking to Jack Robin there and... Matt, we, we say this at the end of every single bloody interview, fantastic chat. I don't think we're ever going to come here and say that was a shit interview, wasn't it? Um, but, like, in all seriousness, it was a great interview. Well, I still don't know what a penny whistle is, <laughs> but uh, I've definitely learned a lot about how a, 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 you know, a theme for a show comes together, and it, it was great to hear you know, the whole story about how, how Jack came to, um, you know, not only becoming the, the composer for the 2002 season, but, you know, coming to that, that theme song. And I don't think we're getting sued either. So that's it. That's it. <laughs> that, that always helps. That always helps. And we may even get a new theme out of it. Hey, look, you know, that's that's the that's the goal here. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to Jack. But um, we've got plenty still to come. We're obviously getting through swimmingly here on, uh, on season one. More recaps to come and more interviews to, to come as well. You did hear a slight mention in that interview about a chat we may have had with someone who is quite a prominent person. And I guess we can sort of confirm that uh, at least throughout the recordings of this, we have spoken to the executive producer of Australian Survivor Season 1, Mr. Stephen Peters. But that is something that we're going to save till the very end because, look, let's just say it's a really good interview, Um, very informative, and I think that's something that... uh, we need to, to save for you guys to hear all our recaps and other interviews before we get to that one. Oh, definitely. You, you, we love our listeners, but you can't give them, you know, the, the best interview of all. Uh, you can't give it to them too early. So we'll, we'll, we're going to make you wait, and uh, it's going to be one worth waiting for. Always leave them wanting more, Matthew. That's why when That's I correct. did that photo, I put the buff in an area where you always want them wanting more, right? Like... <laughs> Well, that's questionable. Well, come on now. Like you should have seen the messages I got. Um, you know, wanting my sorry, I'm I'm not single guys and girls. Like, you know, all genders and races and everything. Like it was fantastic. I was not really. I woke up the next well, minute. Well, if if we don't make it to season 2 on ASA, we know why. <laughs> 
yeah, Channel Nine, uh, the budget uh, just it, it was too explored. You know, yeah, they couldn't do it. But but in all seriousness, like I, I really hope the listeners out there are enjoying. You know, we, we aren't just doing contestant interviews and and recaps. You know, we're trying to we're trying to mix it up a bit here and and, and find out as much information and and bring you back to that time in two thousand and two when you know when Survivor um, was getting made and getting put together and you know hopefully you know we're learning along the way and hopefully you are too and we can sort of take ourselves back to that time and and put it all together for you and as always let us know your thoughts we we always appreciate feedback uh positive negative in between whatever it may be and also we would really appreciate if you're listening to the show you like us show that like by liking us on facebook subscribing uh instagram likes we've got to get to that bloody 1000 all right come on god damn it I'm sure they want to see it, so I'm sure it's going to be uh, only a matter of time until we get that 1,000 likes. But, hey, this whole episode's been about the theme music of Survivor 2002, Season 1, and we did talk about that techno music. So, Ben, it's time to cue the techno music. It is. It's our closing that we love it, and you're going to hear it again. So, thanks for listening to Australian Survivor Archives. My name has been Ben, still will be Ben, and I'm glad that I'm not that weird, according to some people. And my name's Matt, and I learnt today the correct way of saying Robin is Robin. <laughs>